Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. That was beautiful. I just loved that. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Tonight we're going to do something that Baptists are really good at doing. We're going to talk about people. We're going to talk about people. I've, from time to time, somebody will come in and say to me, Pastor, I, I, I need to talk to you about someone. I say, okay, uh, you want to talk about somebody specifically? And they say, yes. And I say, okay, let me get them on the phone. Oh, no, 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 I don't want to talk to them. I don't want you, I don't want to talk, I need to talk to you about them. No, no, if you're going to talk to me about someone, I want them here because I don't want to hear anything negative about them. Or if you, you, let me just write down what you're going to say because if you're going to talk to me about them, then I need to let them know everything you said. Well, preacher, I came to find out, uh, no, no, if you're going to talk negative about somebody, <laughs> then, then they need to know what we're talking about. You know, I, doing that has kept me out of a lot of gossip sessions. Uh, it's kept me out of a lot of trouble and I don't have to worry about people coming to me to tell me something terrible about somebody else. Uh, that is just a spiritual, uh, in quotes, gossip. But tonight, we're going to talk about, uh, about a lot of different people. We're going to, in, in Mark chapter 6, our, our theme has been Jesus, our focus. But tonight, Jesus goes from just telling, or, or Mark goes just from telling the story of Jesus, and he tells about the fact that Jesus sent out his disciples. That's what we talked about last week. He goes from there to tell the story of John the Baptist. Now, he hasn't talked about John the Baptist since... Since Mark chapter 2, he, tells, he introduces us to John the Baptist in Mark chapter 1, but he hasn't talked about John until now. And, and what we're going to look at today is sort of a, uh, a parenthetical uh, story that, 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 he, uh, that Mark inserts into this story of Jesus and his disciples. Uh, he, he's got to finish the story, what happened to John, and he tells the story of how John was in prison. Now, we're just told in, in Mark chapter 1 that he is put in prison, but until now, we don't know what happens until or after he gets in prison, but he stops in verse 14, and he begins to tell the story of, of what happened. Now, let's start with verse, actually, let's start with verse uh, uh, 11. It says, and, and whosoever... Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's sending them out to, to disciple people. He says, whosoever shall receive you, uh, uh, or whosoever shall not receive you or hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. In verse 12 it says, and they went out and they preached that men should repent, and they, ca and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick 
and healed them. So they went out and did, we saw this last week, they went out and did what Jesus told them to do. They took the gifts and the abilities that God had given them and they used them. And when that happened, the name of Jesus starts spreading everywhere. Now, Jesus is sending them out. They're doing the work. Demons are being cast out. People are being healed. Great things are taking place. And so the Bible says this is what happened. In verse 14, and King Herod heard of him. How did he hear of him? Because the disciples were doing what they were supposed to be doing. King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And, and that's, by the way, when we're doing what God wants us to do, the name of Jesus will be spread abroad. I love the fact that we heard the story of a man and a church that was running 100 people, but his name is being spread abroad by this church because that's, they're taking the commission, the responsibility seriously. And he said that he said, now let me again go back to verse 14 at the beginning. King Herod hears about Jesus, for his name was spread abroad, and he said to himself that John, that, that, that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works to show forth themselves in him. They, he said, wow, this must be John the Baptist. Now we don't, we, up to this point, if we're just reading the story for the very first time, we don't know anything that's happened, uh, then we at this point don't even know that John is going to die. But now we found out, hey, John died. Well, how did that happen? Others said it is Elias. Others said this is a prophet or one of the prophets but Herod heard, but when Herod heard thereof, he said, It's John, whom I beheaded. He's risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him. Now we're going to get the backstory. Why did he think this was, this was uh, John the Baptist risen from the dead? Why did he think this? Because he had laid hold on John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. It was contrary to the law of God for, uh, for him to do that. And John, we'll see in just a minute, was preaching that he shouldn't do that. The Bible says in verse 18, for John had said unto Herod, it's not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. What you're doing is wrong. So he approaches the king, tells him, uh, tells the king what you're doing is wrong, and, and because he's preaching against what this politician is doing, he gets arrested and he gets thrown in jail, but he doesn't stop. He keeps saying what you're doing is wrong. Therefore, Herodias had a quarrel against him, his new wife, who was not really legitimately his wife because he was his brother's wife, and God said this is an abomination. Therefore, Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. She hated him. She wanted him dead. For Herod feared John. Why couldn't she have him killed? Because Herod was afraid of killing John. For Herod feared John, knowing that he, had a, he was a just man and holy. He knew that John was right. He knew that John was holy, that he lived a pure life. And, and the Bible says, that, listen to this, the Bible says he even observed him, and when he heard him, he did many things. 
He listened to what he said, and some of the stuff that John said you should be doing, he even started doing some of the things that John said to do. It's an amazing thing. He's, there's John. He's anointed by God. John is speaking truth. He arrests him because of the pressure of other people and because of the pressure of his wife, who he shouldn't have been married to. He, he, uh, he has him thrown in jail, but he knows he's right, and he listens to him and even does some of the stuff that he knows he's supposed to be doing. Wow. Typical politician, huh? And, and when a convenient day was come, that, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his Lord. So now it's Herod's birthday. And so he's going to make a great big supper, and he's going to celebrate, and he has all the, the, the officials in the, in the cabinet come, uh, the high captains and the chief estate of, of Galilee. They all come together. In verse 22, and when the daughter of said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod, this is a seductive, sensual, wicked, vile, immoral party that Herod is having. So they're just probably getting drunk, crazy stuff's going on. Uh, and the Bible says uh, they bring in the daughter of his wife, who he shouldn't be married to, and, uh, and she dances in a sensual way before him, and not just before him, before others. It, this is a wicked, you understand, this is a wicked, vile, horrible situation, and it's right in the Holy Land. The Bible says uh, she danced before him, and it pleased Herod, and them that sat with him. And the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatever thou wilt, and I will give it to thee. Now he makes a stupid statement, makes a stupid commitment, probably because he's half drunk, uh, and he's just, uh, he's just being controlled by his emotions and controlled by his flesh. And he swear unto, the, swear unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. Now what a stupid statement is that? to somebody who's just done a little dance in front of him. And she went forth. And by the way, you get around people, you want to impress people, you shoot your mouth off. That's what he did. And he went forth and he said unto, and she went forth and said unto her mother, now she asked her mother, wrong person to ask, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. You've got him now. He's made a commitment in front of his friends. He's going to have to do this. Tell, her, tell him you want the head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king. She did exactly what her mom said. And she asked, saying, I will that thou give me the head, or give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry. Yet, for his oath's sake, for the stupid oath that he took when he was being controlled by his flesh, for his oath's sake and for the sake of them which sat by him. Note this. If nobody was around and he'd made the oath, he'd say, I don't care. But he was more concerned about what people thought than he was about God and what God thought. For their sake which sat by him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison. 
and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. You know what? I don't care how wicked you are. That would have been gross. Absolutely disgusting. She got what she wanted, and then the Bible says, and the damsel gave it to her mother. I don't think that her mother would have looked at that and said, that's a pretty picture. The Bible says, and when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. That's why he thought John had come back. He was guilt-ridden. He was miserable. He had seen this terrible thing. So there's several things that we want to look at in our, in our, in our uh, lesson tonight. First of all, we're going to be introduced to several people. And I want you to understand who we're talking about. There are, there are four different Johns in the Bible. Four different Johns in the Bible. Uh, I've entitled this, How Will You Choose to Live? Four different Johns in the Bible. Number one, there's John the Beloved. Okay, now John the Beloved is the brother of James. James and John were called. Uh, he is also the writer of 1 John and 2 John and 3 John. He's the, right, the writer of the book of Revelation. He is the son of Zebedee, the son of thunder. He is, th that is John. This is not the same John. And I'm only clarifying this because people have said, who is, isn't John the Baptist the same as John? No, John that wrote the, the, new, the books in the New Testament is not the same. This is John the Baptist. He has not written written any books. Then there's, then there's another John, John of Galilee. This is the Peter, this is the, the father of Peter, and he's mentioned a couple of times in, in John chapter 1 and verse 42, the Bible says, and he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus uh, beheld him, he said, thou art Simon, son of Jonah, or son of John, uh, thou shalt be called Cephas. So there's John of Galilee. There's John the beloved, there's John of Galilee, that's not the same person. Then there's John Mark, uh, John the Mark, John Mark traveled with Paul and Barnabas. Oh, by the way, do you have your notes? Did somebody hand out? Good, I just want to make sure. Uh, he traveled with Paul and Barnabas. Uh, uh, he, uh, quite a character in the New Testament. He left them for some reason. We don't know what he, he, he left them for, but then he came back, and when he came back, he caused a split between Paul and Barnabas, and they both went separate ways and preached the gospel in different, in different parts of the world. Uh, but uh, this was John Mark. Different, different John. So when you're reading about John, uh, Mark, uh, in, in Acts, when you're reading about, about John the Beloved, this is different than John the Baptist. This is John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth. He was a priest in the temple. Uh, Zacharias uh, was uh, a priest in the temple. Uh, he was married to Elizabeth. Elizabeth uh, was Mary, the mother of Jesus' cousin. And so John the Baptist is a second cousin uh, to, the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that, uh, there's verses that are in the notes that you can take a look at uh, to verify this. He preached. He was... Uh, he was, the Bible says, the beginning of the gospel. Uh, he fulfilled Old Testament prophets, prophecies. He came for one reason, to proclaim that the Messiah was coming. Uh, he preached that Messiah was coming. He, he, he declared uh, that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, he preached repentance. He said, you need to change your mind. There were people that thought that was going to be way off, or they, they thought that was figurative, and he, he was teaching them. The word repent means to change your mind. He preached repentance. You need to change your mind about this and get ready. Messiah is coming. Uh, he 
he, he's also the one that baptized Jesus. Jesus came to him specifically uh, to be baptized. Uh, he, he was the, uh, an eyewitness to the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus. He was an eyewitness, to the, or, uh, he was an ear witness, I guess, uh, to the voice that said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And uh, he, he then declared that to the crowd that was there and to the nation of Israel, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the chosen one. Jesus goes immediately uh, off. This is uh, all in Mark chapter 1. Jesus immediately goes off uh, to be tempted of the devil and to overcome the devil. He leaves. And right after that is when John the Baptist is placed in prison. Very soon after that, he's placed in prison. You say, why did God let that, that, why let God let that happen? Why did God let this man who had served the Lord then, and, and done exactly what God wanted him to do and had fulfilled everything that God had called him to do, why did he let him be taken into prison? Because he was finished. The father was finished with the prophets and now would use Jesus. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 13, and this is in your notes, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Their whole purpose, the whole purpose of the whole Old Testament is to declare Jesus is coming. Now John is there, he's saying He's here. He's here. He's done what God sent him to do. The Bible says the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of heaven is preached and every man presseth into it. So here are these, uh, 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 here, here the prophet said he's come. He's, he's done. He's done exactly what God wants him to do. And so God allows him to be taken off the scene. He's taken off the scene, he's put in prison, and now Jesus is the one that is to be promoted. That's why when then you remember the story of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter and James and John see them, and Peter says, hey, wow, there's, and Jesus is there transfigured, and Moses is there uh, representing the law, and the, and the prophets are there represented by Elijah, and so Moses and Elijah are there with Jesus, and Peter says, wow, let's build three temples. Jesus, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, uh, there's a bright light, and a voice comes down from heaven, and it says, this is my beloved son, hear him. And when they look back up, Moses is gone, and Elijah is gone. We don't need the law anymore. We don't need the prophets. It's been fulfilled in Jesus. And so now the time has come where we don't need the last prophet. We do not need John. And so John is taken uh, to prison. Now, that's where our, where our story starts this evening. That's what we just read about. And uh, he's, he's in prison. Now, in this story... There are five different people that we're going to talk about. The first is the disciples. The, the disciples. In verses 11 and 12, the Bible tells us what they did. It says, I'm sorry, in verses 12 and 13, and they went out and they preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and, and healed them. Now, I want you to see what the disciples did. I want you to see this, that the disciples did exactly what Jesus told them to do. 
That's all that you have to do. As a Christian, the only thing you have to do is what Jesus tells you to do. John did what he was supposed to do. They went out and did exactly what they were supposed to do. What was that? They preached the kingdom. They preached the kingdom. They preached that Jesus was going to come. Now, because they did that, because they did that, because they did what Jesus told them to do, his fame was spread abroad. It's as though Jesus stepped back and said, okay, go do it. Just like he does with us. Jesus was taken up and he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. He said, he uh, he said, you go and you do what I tell you to do. Now listen, it doesn't matter that anybody remembers you and me. It only matters that they hear about Jesus. The Bible doesn't say their, their fame was spread abroad. The Bible doesn't say that everybody knew the 12 apostles. In fact, probably 2,000 years later, Christians, you and I, that are here on Wednesday night who love Jesus, probably couldn't name all 12 of the apostles. But you do know the name Jesus, don't you? You know why? Because disciples went and did what Jesus told them to do. And when, 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 uh, when, you, when, a, when a disciple is really doing the work of Jesus, it brings honor to Jesus, not to the disciples. Even John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. So what do we learn? We learn from the apostles that if we do what God wants us to do, We're not being exalted. We're not being lifted up. We might even get tired and worn out. But if we're doing what God wants us to do, the name of Jesus will be uplifted. You can tell if somebody's a true minister of God. You say, how? Watch their lives and see if the name of Jesus is exalted. I loved talking to Malid today because every time I talk to him about Hey, your son is an amazing son. His, his son is amazing. And his, his family is amazing. His ministry, he would say, it's all him. Everything we've had, it's all him. It's all him. With a, with a not fake humility, he just kept saying it's all him. Everything is all him. I'm telling you, if we're living for the Lord Jesus Christ, God's name will be exalted through us. He will be lifted up through us. And it's not about me. It's not about how wonderful I am. He's lifted up, and that's what we're supposed to do as disciples. So we learn from the disciples, hey, what we need to do is just do exactly what God wants us to do. And if we do exactly what God wants us to do, nobody may know who we are, but his name will be exalted. And that's so, so important. The second uh, person we want to talk about is Herod. What a sweetheart. Uh, Herod Antipas. Uh, what do we learn from Herod Antipas? Now, we're going to go through this quickly because I only have about 12 more minutes. And so, so follow along and fill in the blanks. That I want you to see this, first of all, that he was aware of Jesus and John. He was aware of what was going on. Can I tell you that people are watching you? I've said this before. It's so important that you understand people are watching you. As a believer, if you claim the name of Jesus Christ, they are watching what you do. If you're driving out of church every Sunday morning, uh, out of your driveway every Sunday morning going to church, and you're driving out of your, your driveway on Sunday night and Wednesday night, people are watching you. 
They're watching the way you look. They're watching the way you dress. They're watching what comes out of you. They're listening to what comes out of your mouth. They're watching everything that you do. If you're a dad, your children are watching what you do. I love the poem that says, there are little eyes upon you and they're watching night and day. There are little ears that quickly take in every word you say. There are little hands that are quickly doing everything you do and a little boy who's, who's watching to grow up to be just like you. That's what they, that's, we need to understand that. If we're parents, children are watching us. If you're a husband, your wife is watching you. If you're a wife, your, your husband's watching you. If you're a neighbor, your neighbors are watching you. If you're a Christian, you are being watched. Years ago, there was a, a cigarette commercial, a cancer, actually, a cancer commercial that, that uh, said, like father, like son. It was a cute little commercial. Like father, like son. Like father, like son. The, 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 the man was out washing his car. As he washed his car and he took the hose and he squirted down the hose, the little boy picked up the hose and he squirted the, he squirted the car a little while. And then, and then he put it down and he'd get a brush and he'd, he'd wash off the, some of the dirt and a little boy would get the brush and he'd wash it off. And it said like father, like son. And then uh, afterwards he'd dry, dry, start drying and the little boy would try to dry and he'd said, like father, like son. And then afterwards, they, after they got it all done, they sat back and looked at it, and the father went like this, and the, fa- and the son went just like this. And, and it said, like father, like son. Then the man sits down, lays up next to a tree, and uh, the little boy puts his feet out, out just like his father, lays next to the tree, and, and it said, like father, like son. And then the, the man takes a pack of cigarettes out of his pocket, and he, and he, and he packs it, and he, and he takes a cigarette out, he lights a cigarette and he puts it down and it said like father, like son as the little boy was reaching for the cigarette. See, it's the truth. People are watching you. It's not just your children. There are people all around that are watching you. You are an example and we need to understand that. So uh, I, the first thing we learned from Herod was that he was a people watcher. He was watching Jesus and John. He was aware. Uh, the second thing we learned about him is negative. He was biblically illiterate. Uh, he thought that John was able to come back from the dead. He did not understand John's place. He didn't understand mess- messianic prophecy. Uh, Listen, he didn't understand what the Word of God taught. It's so important that we understand the Word of God. People will say stupid things. Like, you, like you'll hear uh, on, on television, you'll hear somebody say, uh, somebody say, well, this guy said that he was going to go bomb something because God told him to do that. If you know God, if you know the Word of God, you don't do stupid things. God doesn't instruct His people to do dumb things. I, had, I was walking through a, a restaurant when my wife and I first came here. Uh, we're walking through a, a restaurant, and somebody introduced me to this lady, and they said, "Hey, this is uh, this this lady." Uh, is a friend of ours, and I introduced myself, and I, she said, oh, pastor, she said, I'm so, it's good to meet you. I always love to meet pastors. I, I try to do what God wants me to do. She said, just recently, God told me to divorce my husband. And I said, ah. Oh. I thought, well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, where did that come from in the Bible? I had a lady sit across from me one day and explain to me that God had called her to be the pastor of a church. And I thought, well, okay, that's, that's interesting, uh, but you're biblically illiterate. And uh, that's, I didn't say that to her, uh, uh, but I, I began to explain to her and, uh, what the Bible says, and she really got very angry uh, in the spirit, you know. And uh, so, so uh, listen, 
he was biblically illiterate. Don't do, don't, listen, check out what the Bible says. Read the Bible yourself. Listen to the Bible and allow yourself to be instructed. A good thing to do is get into connection class. Now, we're not going to have connection classes for the next several weeks, but when the new year starts, get into a connection class. Get us, become a student of the Word. Get involved in discipleship on Wednesday night. So important. Uh, get involved. Not only was he biblically illiterate, but he was an adulterer. So his thinking was unstable. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 32 says, Whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding, and he, doeth it to, he, he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. This is, a, uh, this, this is one of the most damaging uh, acts that a person can commit. It destroys your ability to think right, your ability to emote right, your ability to make wise decisions. So what, what did he do? He married his brother Philip's wife. And in Leviticus chapter 18, the Bible says, Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy brother's wife. It is thy brother's nakedness. Do you not, this, he's violating the law. Again, he was biblically illiterate, and, and then he just determined he was going to disobey anyway. He was an adulterer. Now, we also learn this, that he cared more about what men thought than God thought. And any time you do that, listen, this will lead to wicked and unwise decisions. When you're more concerned about what people think, you're going to make wicked and unwise decisions. It's so important that you determine you're going to do what God wants you to do. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you're a parent you're going you're gonna to have problems because people are going to say, you shouldn't do that as a parent. People are going to tell you everything in, in, in the world that you sh the way you should be doing it and totally ignoring the Word of God. Look, you need to determine not to allow yourself to be led about by what the whims of the world are or the fads of the world. The truth of the matter is he was a slave to sin. He was controlled by his fleshly desires. What he wanted was what he was going for. Jesus said this, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you that whosoever committed a sin is the servant of sin. In Romans chapter 16, Paul said this, he said, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You will obey somebody. If you don't choose to obey God, you'll obey your flesh, and your flesh will give in to Satan. You have to determine, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. He just served his flesh, whatever his flesh wanted. And, and when you do that, all of a sudden you, you realize, I'm captive to this thing. That's what we call bad habits. We call addictions. It's somebody who gave in to their flesh, and now their flesh has control of them. My, my brother... My brother, very young age, got involved in pornography. He, uh, he w worked in a pornographic movie house here in town for I don't know how many years, was just consumed with ungodliness. I can remember after we moved into this building for several years, or for, for several weeks, he, um, he just appeared one day and sat back about where John Conrady is sitting right now. Sat right there. I couldn't believe it. My brother Ricky actually came to church. And afterwards, I said, good to see you. He said, I'm going to start coming. I just decided I'm going to start coming. We came for about six weeks. After six weeks, he was gone. 
I went to see him. He said, David, I'm trying to do right. He said, but you don't understand what it's like. He said, I'm trying to do right. But he said, I've, I've been, I'm so consumed. I'm so consumed with the thinking. I can't get the thoughts out of my mind. He said, David, he, just, he did just like this. He said, David, it's like demons control my mind. I don't doubt that. Demons can oppress us. So uh, it's, it's very important that we understand. This man, Herod, he, he was a slave to sin. And we need to be... We need to guard ourselves because you can fall into sin and sin can control you. And the more you give in, the more it controls you. I think it's very interesting, these next two points. The Bible says he heard John gladly. He heard John gladly. He heard what he heard the word of God. He heard this prophet of God. And yet, Yet, in fact, it says this. It says that he did many things that John said, but he didn't get the message. It's amazing. People will say, okay, I'm going to start coming to church. Oh, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Or I'm going to start praying. Or I'm going to, st- I'm going to start, I'm going to help out. I'm going to, do, I'm going to be good. But none of those things save us. You can get, pe- you get people so close and then they fall off the edge. So close, but they don't get saved. Look, there's only one thing you need to do, and that is say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. Please give me eternal life, and he'll give you eternal life. You need to call on the name of the Lord, and you'll be saved. Nothing else. You can do all the other good things and miss it like Herod did. How sad. So we learn from Herod. We learn from the disciples. We learn from Herod. Then the third person we want to talk about tonight is John. Look at John. What a great example. Uh, He preached this. He preached that we should obey the law. He preached that it was a good thing to obey the law. He told Herod, you're messed up because you're not obeying the law. Can I say this? That grace doesn't invalidate the law. The law is not bad because we're saved by grace. In fact, I was talking to Pastor Matt this afternoon. It's the, law, it's the law that brings us to the knowledge of sin and brings us to salvation. If not for the law, we wouldn't know that God hates certain things. If not for the law, we wouldn't be convicted of the wrong and we wouldn't see our need as a sinner. He preached that we should obey the law. Grace does not invalidate the law. You shouldn't let someone look at you and say to you, well, that's under the law, that's ter- and, and we, don't, we don't... No, listen... Understand that the law is not invalidated. Um, He stood for truth when truth was unpopular. And the truth that he stood for was that God said this is right and this is wrong. Listen, what the law does is it tells us what God says is right and what God says is wrong. So that it's not somebody else's opinion, it's what God says. And when when John spoke, and I just, this is a, this was a tough time. This is a, I mean, this is, he, he's going to go into jail for this. He's going to lose his head for this. But he stood for truth when truth was not popular. I love, and I, I would encourage you, I'll say this over and over again. You need to pray for the new speaker of the house, Mike Johnson. This man is a, is, is, this man is a godly Christian man. You know what to do? What, what, you know what the devil's going to do? He's going to do everything he can to mess him up. 
And you know what he's going to do? He's going to do everything he can to make Christians hate him. And he's already got the whole world hating him uh, because he stands where we stand. Listen, we need to speak the truth. Now, we need to speak it in love. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, speaking the truth in love, that's what we need to do. And the Bible says in, in Colossians, let your uh, speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, uh, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. We need to be, be careful about how we say what we say, but we must always speak the truth. And you need to understand that you, you are probably in a place where if you don't speak, nobody will. See, where you work, I'm not going to get there to speak truth. Uh, where you live, I'm not going to get there. And, uh, and somebody else uh, isn't going to come along. It's you. You're the one that's there. It's your responsibility to speak truth. When something is not true and you're there and you have the opportunity to say something, man, that's your responsibility. And, and if you don't speak truth, then nobody will speak truth. It's so important. You say, well, I don't know what to say. Say, God, I don't know what to say in this situation, but what is going on here is not right. It's not truth. Give me the grace and the wisdom to speak your truth in love. Just pray that. Uh, it takes a while to say it out loud, but instantly you can pray that to God, and God will hear you, and he'll give you the wisdom. And then just speak God's truth. You are where you work, where you live, where, where, where you go to school, what, in whatever situation you're in tomorrow, you need to understand you're sent there to be a truth speaker. Speak the truth in love and grace. We also see this about John, that he was just, because in verse 20 it says very clearly, Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and he was holy. He did what was right, and he lived to honor the Lord. Wow. Jesus said this about John. He said, Verily I say unto you, amongst them that are born of women, there hath, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He was a holy man. He was a just man, and we should learn from that and follow his example. I want you to see one more thing, and that is he died. Good people die. Do you know that? Uh, do you know that uh, the fact of the matter is he's not here to preach, but you are? I, I heard a, a man, I, I, I read uh, on social media today, I read a man lamenting over the fact that 10 great servants of God have died in the last 10 years. And he said, what, what, what's going to happen to a Christianity? Here's what's going to happen. You're going to happen. You see, Curtis, they're dead, but you're alive. And that puts, that puts the onus on us. That puts it on us, you see. I can lament the fact that my mentor died and went to heaven, or I can say, okay, that's one soul winner gone. I must be, I must replace him. I must do that. Well, you think you're as great as, no, I'm not saying I'm as great as anybody, but Jesus said, Jesus said, greater things will you do than me. And what he was saying is there's numbers of you. Now just go out and do wherever it is that God places you, do it. And then one day, you'll die. One day when God is finished with what you're supposed to be doing, he'll take you out. 
But I want you to understand that John was taken out when God wanted him to be taken out. You say, what a wicked, horrible, terrible thing. It is a wicked, horrible, terrible thing, but God used that because he said, John, you're done. I sent you there for one reason, to proclaim that Jesus was coming. You made the proclamation. You needed to be removed out. John said he must increase, I must decrease, and he was taken out. And then instantly, one night or day, he went to heaven. And, uh, and so will you and I. So we need to be faithful in doing what God wants us to do. So John was finished with his course. You need to be finished with yours. And then number, number four, there's two more people, Herodias and, his, and her daughter. Um, uh, Herodias, Herodias and, his, and her daughter. Here's, here's what we know about them. They were wicked people. Can I tell you this? There are wicked people in this world. There are wicked people. The truth is, evil is real. Don't let somebody say, well, you know, everybody's got some. No, there are evil, wicked people. When we're talking about Hamas, when we're talking about Hezbollah, we're talking about people who do not care about anything but their agenda, and they'll kill, and they'll rape, and they'll destroy anything. They are wicked people. Now, what should we do? The Bible says we're to pray for our enemies. And uh, that's not pray that God will kill them, but you should pray. Uh, but, but you need to understand. Jesus said this. Jesus said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. God knows there are wicked people out there. And there are, there are people, there's, there's people who dream about this utopian society and our corrupt world, and they talk about the fact that we just need to all learn to live together and love one another. I'm telling you, there are wicked people that if you walked up to them and said, I just want you to, I want you to know that I love you, they would stab you and not care. They would, and, and uh, I want you to understand that. God, we see this story. This is a horrible, wicked, vile woman. We have a deceived, dumb, wicked man, but we have two women who are just terrible. So understand this. That means that not everyone's going to get converted. And it's not your fault. Well, I wish I'd have been a better witness. No, wicked people don't want to hear truth. And they walk away from truth. That's why we have laws to control evil. We have laws. The Bible says that God, in, in 1 Timothy, the Bible says, the law is not made for a righteous man, for, but for ungodly and sinners, for unholy and profane, for murders of fathers and murders of mothers and menslayers and whoremongers. There are people that do wicked, wicked things, and God established outward law so they would be in prison, they'd be handcuffed, they'd be killed. Corp, uh, uh, capital punishment was instituted by God for the, for, for the fact that people were wicked. The Bible tells us that mankind is by nature wicked. In 1st, 2nd Timothy it says, this know also that in the last days, this is our day, perilous times shall come, men shall be lovers of their own flesh, covetous, boaster, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. You know anybody like this? Say, yeah, I looked in the mirror today. Without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Sound like your boss? Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof? Sounds like your co-workers? That's what the Bible says mankind is like. In Hebrew, or in, in, I'm sorry, in Psalm chapter 2, the Bible says the heathen rage. 
And the people imagine a vain thing and they exalt themselves above the king and, and his servants. It's amazing. So we learn from, we learn from, uh, from, from Herodias and her daughter that uh, people are wicked and vile. And what we need to do is to, we can't let their wickedness and their vileness affect us. The Bible tells us not to render evil for evil. But we need to understand that that not everyone that we talk to is going to get saved, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't keep doing what is right because we're to shine as lights in the midst of darkness. We'll talk about that Sunday. Number four, we see Jesus. And just a couple of things because this whole, this whole uh, book of Mark is all about Jesus being our example. But again, Jesus... The reason we're talking about Jesus particularly is because Herod said when he heard about Jesus, this must be John the Baptist because he's just like him. He was holy and just too. He's just like John the Baptist. This must be John the Baptist. We, we hear that people were saying about him, that Jesus, that he was a prophet. He was a proclaimer of truth, just like John the Baptist. And Jesus is our example. He, I want you to see this. That these are terrible circumstances, but Jesus was not stopped by circumstances. Jesus kept going forward. Can I tell you, you are going to face difficult circumstances when you decide to do what Jesus wants you to do, just like our brother that we saw this evening. He's facing difficult circumstances. You just keep on going because you're here to do what God wants you to do. And by the way, you're indestructible until God is finished with you. When he was rejected, Jesus, when he was rejected in one place, he went to another. He just went to another place and just kept going. And he told his disciples to do the same thing. I would encourage you to keep doing God's will, no matter what. See, we can either let circumstances dictate to us how we should live, or we can live in fear and, and live to please man, or we can surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit and determine to speak God's truth and be light in the midst of darkness. Here's the deal. The choice is yours. How will you choose to live? Man, five, horrible, or five, five examples in the Bible, some horrible ones and some great ones. Let's follow the good examples. Let's pray. Father, help us to take the, uh, the, the lesson that you have given to us from your word and help us to determine to live like you and live like John and, and even the disciples. And Father, help us to learn to avoid the negative qualities of Herod and Herodias. Father, if there's somebody here that's not saved, I pray for their salvation right now. In Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.